Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Galesburg, Illinois. And we have got a great show for you today. We have a follow-up from last week's show. Last week, we were talking about the different types of vegetables that we we're going to be growing in our gardens. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the more ornamental things that we're going to be placing in our, our yards and landscapes. We're going to have a good conversation about sunflowers, too. So you know I'm not doing this by myself. I'm joined, as always, by horticulture educator Ken Johnson in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello, Chris. You got your seeds bought from last week? Do you know how many tabs I have open right now, Ken? How many <laughs> seed company tabs? Is I I can't uh, I I can't keep track. And 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 today has made things even worse with what we're talking about today, because some of these things are things that I'm growing from seeds. So, um, it's ridiculous. Nothing's been ordered yet, though. <laughs> I'm paralyzed by choice. <laughs> Better get on it. Did you get there. Did you get things started last weekend as you um, promised? Yes. Yeah, so what did we start? Um, we started. Oh man, I'm drawing a blank. What did we start? Did you do onions? Not yet. Not yet. But maybe next week. Greens. No. All right. We did a Veronica. Put the Snapdragon seeds in the refrigerator. As I said, to chill them first. So we'll do those soon. Did our artichoke and cardoon. And poppies. I think we started some poppies too. Well, that's a good, that's a good amount of things to get going. Um, so way to go. I mean, you're like 10 steps ahead of me. So that's, that's great. Um, and uh, this week we are also joined and let's see how much seed starting she got started. Boy, you should not say that sentence very <laughs> fast. So many times over. Emily Swihart, horticulture educator in Moline. Hey, Emily. Hi guys. <laughs> I haven't started yet. I have not started anything yet. Um, Feel better yeah. than <laughs> better <Yep>. about myself. <laughs> yep. I have on the calendar at the end of the um, of February, so that's my. I'm going to give myself next week, and then I'll start. Okay. I I guess I I should add I have I do have things ordered, but it's not necessarily uh, personal gardening related. So if if anyone has gone back and looked at uh, Emily Ken my uh, New Year's resolution article. It was about being organized. Ken, he's he's on top of that. Um, the one thing I had stated is that I I want to save time to garden personally, uh, not just for work. And it's it's just kind of shaping up as business as usual. I have lots of seeds and things coming in the mail for work. Um, nothing yet for me. So uh, 2024, uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll just reach for that year next year. <laughs> Don't give up this year. I don't count myself out until like July. You can still plant. You're fine. You're doing fine. <laughs> I've done that. I've done like maybe this tomato seed will give me a tomato like July 4th. Like, not that, not, no, mm -mm, too late. Fall garden. Yeah. Just focus on that. <laughs> there you go. But then I got to order the seeds and I still don't get around to it. So, oh, well, well, I'll, say, I'll save you some. Oh, thank you. Can, can I just can just go over to his house, help him out. <laughs> Start planting random stuff in your yard. That's fine. That's kind of how I work anyway. So, oh goodness. Well, guys. So today we we're talking about ornamental, some more of that uh, landscaping type stuff that we're going to put in putting in the ground this year. 
And we're also going to be diving into sunflowers. Um, so just real quick off the top, uh, Ken, would you mind kicking us off and, and telling us about, you know, an ornamental plant, flowering plant that you plan on growing this year? Um, so I, I can start with kind of the newer stuff or stuff we haven't grown before. So one we're going to try is Cupid's Dart, uh, which is a short-lived clump-forming perennial that has blue to lavender blue flowers. Apparently, the early Greeks and Romans used it uh, to make love potions. So that's good no for way. Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, wife. I'm growing a love potion plant. <laughs> Wait, so what was this? What was the um, is there a scientific name attached to that? I, Cupid's Dart is is that a cultivated variety name or is that the plant name? I think it's the plant name. It's Catanchi uh, Cerulea. It's sounds like something in a D and D campaign. Um, yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's totally <laughs> new and out there. What was it? Cupid's dart. Yes, and it will self seed. Okay. So hopefully, we're not regretting this decision come next year. And hopefully, neither is the entire state of Illinois. Yes, <laughs> there's that. So, there's that. <laughs> yeah, state of Illinois does. This podcast will disappear. <laughs> and you might too ken um your <laughs> sevens will come get me he will <laughs> I want to be on his bad naughty list so yeah um so all right cupid's dart you're kicking us off again just like last week with shizo and like i don't even know what to do with that and so emily help me out here what what are you what are you growing <laughs> this year that i can i can relate to and and find uh on the uh, easily maybe on the internet yeah that's more my pace so i guess i'll i'll start out with all of my things so I, one of my new year's resolutions was to grow more cut flowers um my my kids and i like to donate them to different you know locations throughout our community and so um i was shopping with that in mind growing um some flowers for the purposes of cut flowers and this is what i haven't grown before um i'm sure it, it's not unusual to many folks, but I haven't grown it. Um, it is calendula. And so I'm going to grow the orange flash. Um, and although it has, you know, orange flash in its name to me, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that um, flashy of a flower. I, I don't tend to migrate towards the flowers that are, um, that really scream at you with orange. Orange mm -hmm. is my least favorite color. And so that to me is I, I tend to stay, I know, University of Illinois, I'm struggling here. You but still like blue though, right? I love blue. I do <laughs> love blue. I do love blue. Yeah, there's nothing, 50%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with orange. It's just not my color. I don't, so let's just, we'll put that out there. Um, but this one is more subtle than that. It's got some, It's it describes it as having hints of peach and cream. And so I think um, as it grows, it, it'll be, it'll blend nicely into a bouquet, hopefully with some of the other plants that I, that I, um, intend on growing, including sunflowers, which have some orange in them and are, are bright and sunshiny. But, um, yeah, it says to, one of the things that like when you're growing cut flowers to pay attention to is when and how to harvest them. And so I've been trying to track, like knowing if I need to wait until this fully bloomed or, you know, if it's just starting to, to um, start to open up. And this is at about 50%, which is unusual. Um, usually it's at the very first 
peak or if you gotta wait till they're totally open. So I'll have to make a note and, and keep an eye on this one, but um, looking forward to it. Well, very cool. So calendula, that is marigold. Am I, there's more than one type of calendula. If I'm mistaken. The Latin name for this is calendula officinalis. Mm -hmm. So, so that might be a garden marigold. Ken, help us out. I don't have. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot look this up here. I am. You, you two are the black people, not me. No, oh, come on, bug man. <laughs> Hot marigold. Hot marigold to the interwebs. So, I, I also have a, a few items too when you you describe the color orange emily and how how maybe the breeder or the nursery describes the color and i have seen that in a, some cases where they're like oh it's orange and then i grow it's like no it's not no nope. yeah i i mean we already have to set ourselves up that blue the color blue is not really truly blue for most plants when say they say it's blue um it's not sky blue right unless you're growing something like borage you know, that has a that has a legitimately bluish flower um but i guess color can be subjective especially that darn color blue what color is the dress still can't agree on it so oh dear don't mm -hmm. isn't that from like 2000 maybe even before that so i shouldn't i shouldn't bring that up yeah you're dating yourself Growing your age chris <laughs> i am i'm gonna be i'm gonna be arguing about this dress when i'm like 80 years old so <laughs> Well, I, I will go and say that I've had a, a few uh, things on my list that I want to grow. And this particular first grouping of plants is something that I am very interested in growing. And, and I think I'd mentioned this before on the podcast that I really want to expand some of the planting beds underneath our shade trees that we already have. Um, I was really inspired by this when I read a former colleague of ours article, uh, Kelly Alsip, she wrote about soft landings. So you know, we want to grow oak trees. We want to grow all these different trees that, that Lepidoptera feed on. So, you know, the larva stage of moths and butterflies, they'll feed on their shade trees. But very often in their life cycle, that means they have to drop down to the ground, to the soil, to pupate, or they overwinter, or, you know, that is often part of the life cycle. A soft landing gives them a space that's not being constantly mowed or disturbed um, that might allow them to have a more successful life cycle. And so I've been wanting to expand our planting beds. And I've seen places uh, do this that plant large rings of like liriope underneath their, their shade trees. And basically you got to mow them in the spring and that's about it. Uh, and, and so I am investigating sedges this year as an alternative to liriope, something that might be a bit more locally native um, and that might also provide some type of like bird forage uh, habitat for not only insects and birds, but, you know, maybe some of those small, creepy, crawly reptiles and amphibians. So um, I'm not going to say I want to have snakes all over my yard, but I'll allow them to be there if they so choose. Um, and so I actually was up visiting Emily last Saturday. Uh, she had a, a wonderful conference, nursery school in Moline, and their, the keynote speaker uh, was Neil DeBold. And he talked about some, some really fun and interesting plants, native plants. But then I got to sit down and have lunch with him. And I asked him all about sedges. Um, never would have known there was so much to know about sedges. And the more you dig, the more you realize the, this is a massive group of plants. And so 
So the uh, the sedges that I've narrowed my list down to is Carex radiata, which is Eastern Star Sedge. It's a shorter sedge, um, and then there was Carex vulpinoides or vulpinoidea, which is that is the fox sedge or brown fox sedge. I think it goes by a couple names, um, and those two I'm primarily growing from seed, and so I'm going to have flats of seed whenever I get around to ordering seed. And it has to be cold treated, so it has to go through a cold treatment. So I'm going to do that in the fridge since it's not cold out. <laughs> it's February and it's not cold out right now. Um, and the other one that I was really convinced, and I talked to Neil about this, I said, Neil, I really want to start Herrick's Pennsylvania or Pennsylvania sedge from seed. He's like, good luck. Um, he said, Carrick's Pennsylvania does not bear seed like you typically would see. It's not up here. It's way down on the ground. And it's a lousy developer of seed and takes a lot of labor to harvest it, takes a lot of germination effort, so on. So seed is not a good option. He said most of it is propagated vegetatively. And he said right now, Carex pensylvanica is a hot plant and it's really hard to find because it's being sold out everywhere. So um, I'll probably get only a handful of those because they're expensive. And but they spread, and so you got to start somewhere with them. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do, at least in a couple parts of my yard. We're going to expand some of those mulch rings under the trees, and we're going to put in sedges. That sounds really great. That sounds really neat. Sedges are, I think, they're underappreciated. So they look like grasses, right? It, yep. For the most part, um, and I think that they just. They're a really good option like for those shade places, but then also wet places, you know, like in your yard or if you've got some extra moisture in the soil in certain areas. Um, I might have to look at some sedges, actually. Mm -hmm. Put that yeah. on the list. I mean, I think a lot of people, or maybe it's just me, when you hear sedge, you think nut sedge. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I think that, that gives them all a bad name, unfortunately. I, I only have a hate relationship with yellow nut sedge, so... <laughs> I despise that plant um, and buy me a drink someday and I'll tell you why. So it's a long story and it's completely PG. So don't worry about any nighttime nightmares. No, so future podcast. That's future podcast plants. We hate <laughs> <laughs> and why. So, so, all right. Sedges for me, Ken, what, what you got next on the list? Uh, so this year we're gonna, like I mentioned, we're gonna do some poppies. Um, we haven't done those in the past. We've got Hungarian blue, um, which is violet flowers. Uh, Ladybird, uh, which is a shorter type, about a foot and a half tall. Uh, red with black blotches in the center. Yeah, bridal silk, uh, which is pure white. And then Princess Victoria Louise is salmon colored. And then Flanders poppy here. You, what you typically think of as a poppy, the, the red poppy um, you see everywhere. Um, so we're going to do those. We're going to try some Nicotiana or flowering tobacco. Uh, that's another new one. Uh, so we got two different types for that. we got Cranberry Isles, um, Smoky Mauve, White Pink Violets, and Dusky Dark Purple uh, for those. And then Old Fashioned Mix, um, which is just a bunch of different colors of white, Fuchsia Maroon, and Purple. Uh, and with these, they they release their scent in the evening. Um, so we'll probably do those like around our deck or something like that. So you can smell them at night when we go outside. That's cool. Correct. Can you, is there any um, 
pollinator relationship with flowering tobacco? I can't remember. Because it's a very like, tubular flower. I would assume it's probably moths since it's doing it. Moths. That, that at night. Mm -hmm. um, it's most, I'll say all, because there's always the exception. But usually if, it, if it's releasing its scent at night, it's probably going to be a moth mm -hmm. pollinated. So you're going to do some night lighting, Ken, and you're going to be catching some moths and doing some some bug counts in the backyard. Is that what you're saying? Maybe. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if we're successful in growing them. Well, that that the idea of people doing these night lighting insect catches at at night is is kind of catching on. I'm hearing more and more about that, um, and you're able to get a better glimpse of kind of your species diversity because most people collect during the day, not at night. And so that's really cool that you're incorporating a lot of like night like fragrance into the garden. We'll see. Maybe go out with a black light and set it up by the flowers and see what shows up mm -hmm. there's another future podcast that's right on P ken's back deck uh <laughs> <laughs> that might be a whole new different show what yeah what shows ken's up back on deck. ken's back deck <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll get to hear that uh nuts edge story too from chris yes yes mm-hmm mm -hmm. so uh emily what uh what's next on your list yeah so like i said purchase seeds with the intent of, of including them in a bouquet. And so again, this is not a wildly unusual um, flower, but I'm going to grow snapdragons again this year. I grew them. They have a, um, like for me, they go back to my childhood. I remember playing with the, the mm -hmm. uh, flowers as a kid, getting them to snap. Um, and so I'm going to grow I am definitely going to grow the traditional snapdragons. Um, there are some double um, azalea-like snapdragons. I'm on the fence over uh, buying, not because I don't want to, um, but because I don't know if I have enough space for all of the things that I have purchased so far. Um, that's never really stopped me before, so it's probably going to happen. But um, a couple of different things with snapdragons. So I just bought a mix. I um, spent far too much time looking through all the different options for snapdragons and then i just said you know what heck with it i'm gonna buy the mix and you know there it goes so um within this mix there's um, one called apple blossom by color which has um some light pink and white on it there's cherry rose a royal um yellow white red orange is in the mix and i will accept it and love it um lavender and pink so it's going to have a, a rainbow of colors within um, the garden. I like these for for cut flowers because they add like a, a vertical element to a bouquet, which is really nice, um, you know, to incorporate uh, to a bouquet. They're also um, edible. And so I'm actually going to try just we'll just see. I don't know if they're just pretty to look at and as a garnish or if they actually have some um, decent flavor to them. But I'm going to try try that we grow pretty organic in our garden. So feel comfortable um trying a few of the flowers but culturally at that same conference that, I was, that we were at chris where we met um a colleague of ours was talking about her cut flower gardens and she grows in raised beds but they are um you know square or rectangular and she talked about staking and supporting cut flowers so that you can get long straight stems I've never done that before, um, but I'm committed to doing it at least with some of my flowers this year. And so I traditionally grow in our vegetable garden. We just rotate, you know, things around. It looks very much like a, a production bed instead of a, a ornamental bed. 
but I think I'm going to try to lay out the garden in more of a grid pattern in these blocks uh, for the cut flowers instead of in rows um, so that I can stake them. And so I'm going to give that a shot and see what see what that produces for us um, and see if I make the time to do that. But um, that's the intent right now. And um, yeah, again, I, I just I love snapdragons. They're kind of a heritage plant, I think, for for many folks. And so I'm going to start those. Actually, that's one of the first seeds I'll be starting in a couple of weeks here. Are you going to stake individual plants? You're going to get like the the mesh and grow them through that. Um, my plan was neither. Um, so I plan on using um, some like tea stakes that we have, some iron posts, and doing them on the four corners and doing sort of a web pattern. Um, see how that works, which is um, some string that I've got that I've used in the past for different garden purposes. Um, it's pretty protected. I, I do also plan on kind of planting um, things around it to protect it even more from the wind. And so, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Perhaps I'll regret it and next year I'll have to invest in the actual grid. <laughs> They're the mesh to grow on. But um, like I was telling you guys, like we donate these flowers. I, I don't, I don't make any, I don't sell any of them. We give them away. And so um, I don't lose too much sleep over if the stem has a little crook in it either. Well, that's really, I, I will say when it comes to that plastic mesh that a lot of cut flower growers use, they must have a really uh, ingenious technique for cleaning that bed out at the end of the season. Cause I've used that for growing uh, as a trellis for cucumbers. Holy cow. I basically got frustrated and threw the thing away. I could not get the the dead cucumber vines off of there. Um, so that mesh stuff can really be kind of a pain, at least in how I've used it. And I probably used it wrong. And so, yeah, I'd be curious to know how well the uh, the spider web technique with the T-post works this year. Because I, I, I like the way that sounds better than having to clean out that plastic netting every growing season. Yeah, and I do know some um, commercial growers will do a couple of layers of a web, you know, like as the plants grow, they will add. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to put it out there right now is that that is not my intention. If I get one web done, I'm going to count myself as uh, successful because um, I, we just grow a lot. We have a lot going on. You know, like, like I said, I'm not selling these and so I'm not going to worry too much about it. It's more um, an experiment at this point, but uh, mm -hmm. if we can get some really nice flowers to, to give away, I think that that'd be great. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, my next plant is because I was surfing and looking for sedges and I found a plant from my childhood that I absolutely, I mean, I just grew up with it and it is mayapple. Um, I remember as a child, springtime, my parents, uh, where, where they lived, they had about 20 acres of woods and springtime was just like mayapple time and absolutely loved them, you know, as a, as a little kid running through a grove of mayapple, you know, they're up to your knees or your thighs as a child, uh, as an adult there, you know, they're probably shin to knee high. Um, and mayapples, you know, if, if um, folks aren't familiar with them, they're like umbrella plants, like they have, they're on a singular stalk, and there's just like this umbrella of foliage there that radiates out from the center of that stalk. And if there is any such thing as forest fairies, they must live under mayapples. That's that's a prerequisite where they must live. Um, uh, and so th it, it, that's just a plan from my childhood. Where we live now, we have woods behind our house. 
There are no May apples that we've seen in the last three springs that we've been here. And I just want, I just want May apples. I just want to see them. Um, they're, they're a, a fascinating woodland understory spring ephemeral plant. Um, that's actually seeds spreaded by box turtles. We have ponds nearby. Those are most certainly have box turtles in them. And so, uh, I, I, I just want to plant May apples and, and kind of like Pennsylvania sedge, May apples are really only propagated, uh, commercially using, um, divisions vegetatively and so i'm going to get a couple i mean again ordering plants is expensive and so you know compared to seed and so i'm only going to get maybe half a dozen or a dozen may apple starts and we'll get them planted this spring and we'll nurse them along and hopefully they'll they'll be lush and beautiful next year chris i love may apples i hope you get a whole colony of them i just mm -hmm. they are i i agree that's where the fairies live um, and they're really fun when they, so the, the flower is actually underneath the vegetation. And so it's a really nice, um, way to get up close and personal with those, those gorgeous plants are beautiful leaves. They, they, nothing really bothers them too much that I've seen, but, um, oh, I hope you have a good colony. I do too. I think we Bring have on. a good space. Then we'll, we'll watch as the box turtles move in too. So again, we're trying to, we're trying to incorporate more habitat, some more, native vegetation uh, that can be a bit more supportive of all walks of life, even Ken's favorite snakes. So they can live under there too, if they want. Um, so uh, Ken, what is next on your uh, must plant list for this year or will plant? Um, so we've got a, a few more kind of completely new and then are kind of our our standard four that we always grow. So uh, we've got African Daisy. Uh, so we're going to try it's called this one's polar star. So white flowers with an iridescent purple ring around the centers. Um, so we're gonna try that one out. Um, a hibiscus, Texas star. It's hardy to zone six to nine. So hopefully um, we can get that to, to uh, stick around year to year. Uh, it's three to six feet tall. Um, Hollyhock-like uh, flowers, five-petaled scarlet red. Um, supposedly George Washington planted it. So be like him. Um, and then we've got uh, Cardinal Climber. <laughs> Don't end up regretting that one too. Um, that's an annual vine, and we've so the last several years we've done um, runner, Scarlet Runner Bean uh, along our driveway. We've got some lattice up along our deck um, on the west side of the house to keep the sun off the the kitchen and stuff. Um, so we're gonna try the Cardinal Climber there. So it's got the driveway there. So hopefully, if it does um, reseed, it does not. It's got a limited space uh, to do that in. So, uh, and then the last kind of completely new is um, stock, uh, evening scented stocks, another one that's gonna be smelly at night. So it's also called uh, melancholy gillyflower because uh, of its drab and downcast appearance during the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was night, just gonna I say, I love the fragrance of stock. <laughs> you said that. So then at night it, it opens up, you have lavender white flowers and, and a pleasant smell or intoxicating scent, according to the, the catalog. You cannot scent or sniff and drive when it comes to stock. So don't do that. Oh, well, you can also use stock as a cut flower. So if you ever you know, need to, to do some improvisation with cut flowers, there you go. You'll have some stock. Um, 
a couple of the oddballs that I'm going to try to grow again this year um, for my cut flower garden is they're, they're good for dried flowers. And so this is kind of an addition to some of the plants that I harvest out of our, our landscape anyways. So like seed heads, um, I grow a lot of um, uh, echinacea. And so like those seed heads are really pretty, you know, as dried um, contributions to a, a dried flower arrangement. Um, Rattlesnake Master is another one that I really love. Like just, it's just a unique um, um, flower. I'm gonna grow a straw flower. So I grew this last year and I know that because I saved seeds from it, but I have no memory of where it was at. Just no memory at all. I don't know what happened. I don't know where it was. I'm not sure where I harvested the seeds from. I, 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 it's just the strangest thing. So I'm going to grow it again this year, both the one um, that I grew last year, which is pink um, in, in color, and then a new one uh, kind of purplish this year. And so a straw flower, I'll cut it during the growing season, but also let some go and save them for um, dried flowers. Similar, but a different shape um, to that would be gumfrina. Now I did grow gumfrina last year for the first time. Um, it's also called globe amaranth and I did not know what to expect. Um, I hadn't grown it um, ever, but I was just really pleasantly surprised. It was um, like a rose color. I don't, I can't remember the um, cultivar. I did save some seed from it, but um, this year I got what's called formula mix. It's a mix of kind of um, darker purple, some lavender, some white, you know, pink hues in, in the mix. Again, I couldn't decide so I just got a mix and we're gonna, gonna put it out there. Um, but these are the most adorable flower heads I think I've ever seen. They're just tiny, a little larger than a marble, um, you know, kind of a, a like big cherry size and they are, they're just cute, like little buttons on the flowers and they get these really long stems and you can use them, um, you know, for filler in a bouquet or just in a, you know, pack them together for really formal, um, type of, of uh, bouquet, but looking forward to growing those again and looking forward to growing um, straw flower, I guess for the second time. We'll see. Have you guys ever done that where you were like, you see that you've grown something and you just have no idea where it was? Yeah, some of the different cultivars and stuff we've grown. Like I, I look at the list and like, I don't remember yeah. what that looked like. <laughs> No, I, I have seen pictures um, that I've taken and I've thought, whose yard is that? I've never seen that plant before. It was my yard. I planted that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It'll be, I'm sure it was a delight last year and I'm sure it'll be a delight again this year for me. We'll just repeat. Well, I I really love the, the different types of amaranths, um, especially when you get into the different flower shapes too, which are really, really I think need to see reminds me of some of those like um celosias like coxcomb which has the just bizarre <laughs> it's like you know when you do a science fiction movie and you want a bizarre looking flower let's go with some of the amaranth some of the coxcombs let's let's go with those because they just don't look like they're from this planet i those are some of my favorites yeah i grew um the uh plume celosia and the um like brain Celosia last year and yeah. um 
yeah, really, really fun. I had uh, more than one friend out into the garden and go, what is that with the um, brain solution? And I grew the, let's see, there was like a, um, a yellow and orangish color and um, I got some pinks. It was called uh, Chief Mix, I believe is what it was. It was really, it's really fun to grow. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna grow some celosia this year. Uh, we've got one of the brain types. Was it Corona? And uh, was it a, a yellow and red? And then one of the the spike ones. It's Asian Garden. It was an AAS winner in 2017. It's got pink flowers on it. So you can report back on that. I didn't do any cutting. So like with with cut flowers, um, a lot of times you would you'd like head them back or cut the plant back to so you get more of a branching um you know form to them and you would get more you would force more blossoms on it i knew i should have done that with the slosha and i didn't but and the stalks on some of those the brain slosha were huge like the size of the the um flower was large but like it was almost like almost woody in uh in texture it was really impressive the pruning saw out to make cuttings of those yeah. guys yeah yep well kind of speaking of some uh all-american selection winners award-winning plants this year i am growing the perennial plant of the year and so that is the american gold rush rudebeckia it's a black-eyed susan um it was all-american selection winner in 2020 and this year, 2023, it is now the Perennial Plant Association's Plant of the Year. And I do have Black-Eyed Susan already in my garden beds, but it gets awful, awful, what I believe is septoria leaf spot. Um, so the plants don't look that great towards mid to late summer. And so I, I would like to rotate in this particular uh, black-eyed Susan in there because it has a resistance to those leaf spot diseases and it has performed very well, hence why it's been winning all these awards. And so um, I'm going to be tossing in um, American Gold Rush black-eyed Susan into my pollinator bed because I've also put in a lot of other uh, plants last year. So um, a lot of purple flowering plants too. And um, like ironweed is one of those um, and so actually I have a lot of those. And so, um, so we will be, um, having a purple gold flower scheme late in the season. And, um, I, I, that's just kind of why I've selected it. And, and so all of the, all American gold rush, it gets about two foot tall. Um, it will spread kind of like most rutabecchias do, but it's from all the pictures I've seen, it's like, fairly contained spread. It's not like with some rutabecchias that I've grown in the past, it's like, oh, across the yard, a rutabecchia popped up. So, but we'll, we'll find out, I guess, over the years, how, how much this plant likes to move around. And if, if it wants to move around and it looks as good as it says it does, I'll be happy. It'd be interesting to see how that does for you. Cause we, we pulled all of ours out. It just got by yeah, late, mid to late summer, the leaves would just be like purple. There's some mm -hmm. so disease and stuff. So we just got to the point we pulled everything out and we have not really replaced it with anything. We've just been doing annuals um where it was. So so where you have been growing like the old Goldstrom 
Rudbeckia type? I, I mean, that's Probably. general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is supposed to perform better. Goldstrom was like the bread and butter of the industry about a decade ago. And then what Ken just described, it just happens. <laughs> People get tired of looking at half dead plants half the summer. So um, yeah, hopefully it'll look really nice all summer. Well, Ken, how much more room do you have in your yard? <laughs> I think we're going to be killing off large patches of grass to fit everything in our yard. <laughs> That's the spirit. I like to hear that. So we've got a few others I won't go into detail, but we're going to do some marigolds, um, some nasturtium. That's something we've done every year. I've tried to get, we've got one of the, the railing pots. You fit on the, like a deck railing, grow the um, nasturtium over that. I have not been successful the last two years. I don't know if it just gets too dry on them, but we try some different types and hopefully one of these years I'll get it to work. Um, got some sweet pea and coleus and status and stuff, kind of some others. And then um, cotton, we're going to try a new cotton this year. I don't know if I mentioned that in a previous podcast or not. Arkansas green lint. Uh, so it's going to have a green cotton bowl instead of white. So we do the red foliated cotton we've done every year. It's kind of got that purplish um, leaves on it and then a white cotton ball and then green went um has green kind of a olive green color to it so that's the new cotton we're trying this year and then kind of the big four we do every year are gonna be snapdragons cosmos zinnia and sunflowers and we've got six seven eight nine ten <laughs> or cultivars of some of those so we went a little crazy <laughs> with some of that stuff so I think that's okay to go crazy with flowers, Ken. I support that, it. Yeah, is that kind of like a like a mixture that you do, and you just sort of throw it out there and just like grow? Do whatever your thing. happens, happens. Okay. And usually, we kind of do it by height, and whatever else happens, happens. So, like some of the zinnias we've grown in the past, I couldn't tell you what's what because it just gets planted, and we don't necessarily keep track of of what's where. Do you save seeds from any of those from year to year? Do you? Okay. We just leave it. Um, and if birds eat it or whatever, and we usually don't, when we buy the seed packet, we usually don't plant all of them. Um, so if we wanted to, we could, if we had one really liked, uh, do it again the next year. Yeah. Like, yes, I'm also growing uh, zinnias. They just, I've always grown them. Like you said, it's one of the, the must haves and, um, I bought some new seeds this year just to get a little more variety in the in the garden and and know for sure what I'm going to be getting as cut flowers. Um, but usually we save the seed. It's one of the easiest seeds I think to save. Um, let the seed heads mature and go cut it, you know, in the fall and and keep it. I've had very very good success with that. So if anybody wants to start saving seeds, I think that's a, a good spot to to start they also just keep producing they grow and grow and grow all the way through the season so it's easy to let seed heads mature because you've got so many of them you just go look at what you you didn't get cut um but yeah i love i love zinnias i um i'm getting some giant dahlia sized ones this year i don't know if you have any of those like really really big ones um our master gardeners last year had some i swear they were the size of a dinner plate like they were amazing just amazing and of course they do take especially good care of them um i'm not sure my zinnias will be as as well cared for as our master gardeners do but um i'm gonna give it a shot with these, these just giant flowers that are in, in all the bright colors and so we'll have to compare ken when we get start getting our flowers 
try to make sure I keep track of what's where. Yeah. <laughs> or don't. I can tell you what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, for Cosmos, are you growing any of the double, double Cosmos? I'm going to just grow straight. The Versailles mix is, is what I I'm going to grow this year. Yeah, everything is a, a single. We we did one last year called Seashells, where the, the petals yeah. kind of curl. Um, almost like a hollow mm -hmm. cone on them. Um, usually we do the the singles because I'm when when we're when I'm picking flowers anyway. My wife sometimes not. I usually when I'm picking them, I I try to avoid a lot of doubles, just pollinators and stuff. But sometimes if they look cool, it's worth getting in. But I usually stick or cool names stuff. Or, or cool, cool names. names. Ken is a sucker for cool names too. If you're a plant breeder. Give it a cool name, and I'll probably <laughs> hook, line, and sinker. There's one um, of the cosmos that I'm on the fence about. Again, I don't know where I would put any of these things. I, I ran out of room a long time ago, but um, it's called Cupcakes Blush. And so um, it's it's semi-double. It's not quite as full as some of the other doubles. Um, you can still see the um, interior, but I don't know. With a name like that, and it's pink, I mean, hard to say no. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we usually, I think a lot of people, I think Cosmos is the orange ones is the one you usually see. Right. Um, and my wife, she likes orange, but she does not like orange Cosmos. So we don't, we haven't grown those in a while. So we're doing a lot of the, the apricots, the whites, the pinks, um, most purples and stuff. So there's, there's a lot of different colors out there. If you, if you don't like orange, um, there's other stuff out there. Yeah. I, I'm not growing the orange and that, it's probably no surprise to you guys now. We, we know orange is not the color for Emily. Names for Ken, no orange for Emily. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, a couple of the other ones um, that I was going to grow this year that I haven't grown before. Um, one, I am, I'm on the fence. About, I, again, haven't bought this one because I've not grown it, but um, it's appealing in that it is called Miss, Mrs. Burns Lemon Basil Seed. So it's a basil, so it would be edible, um, but I would grow it as a filler um, for cut flowers. And I think that the fragrance, I love the fragrance of basil. And when lemon basil has that kind of lemony, um, bright fragrance to it. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can dedicate a whole space in the garden just for um, an herb that I'm going to cut and put in. Uh, you can use it as an edible. I, I don't often cook with herbs, and so it would be for cut flowers but i don't know i'm on the fence i would i would take a vote if you guys wanted to do it oh, well, always do it yeah okay We're twist my it. arm yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then finally there's one um adjuratum pretty well known you know pretty common um cut flower or ornamental flower to grow but um it's got some really pretty colors of, of purple and pinks and whites. You might sense or might have picked up on that. I really like those cool colors. And so mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. this one attracts some butterflies and bees also. And so I like that because I don't clear cut the garden when it comes to harvesting flowers. Of course, there's going to be some that are left behind. Um, I like that it is also going to be caring for those pollinators that will then be visiting our squash plants and other garden plants. And so i um, looking forward to adjuratum. I think two years ago, I grew Ageratum Houstonium. 
Man, don't ask me for a common name on that one. I do not know. Um, it was kind of a dwarf version of that, like the purple little ball uh, flower. And it did not do very well in my front garden bed. It was because it was probably too dry and too much shade, I would think. So I replaced it middle of the season and I just, I bought one of these. I bought lungwort. It's, I know it is Bethlehem sage. It's uh, pulmonaria, saccharata. Um, I think it means like pulmonaria because it used to be used for like medicinal things. So, um, and so, but it has these like, it's like powdered sugars on these green leaves and it has a beautiful bluish to reddish uh, flower and I got one of those last year. I'm getting way, I'm getting a bunch more this year because it did great in this like really lousy, dry, shady flower bed that I have. It's performed fantastically and it looks good even after it's done flowering. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in the ground this year. In the description here for the this is the Adgeratum Houstonianum. Um probably similar to what it might be a different color than what you um, grew, but it does say fertile soil with good drainage. And so mm -hmm. going to need to pay attention to where, where we put Didn't that have one. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. not have that. <laughs> read the labels. <laughs> oh, that's right. We should always read those labels. Wink. Uh -huh. And believe them when you that's read right. them. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I have nowhere to put this plant. Let's try right here. <laughs> you can do that. You just mm -hmm. might have the results that you exactly you and i got I, I should not have expected anything more than i got so yeah so have either of you heard of the new not new but newish hosta i think it's called lipstick blonde it's got the red stems or petioles and then it has yellow foliage i saw that again at the nursery school presentation and i'm like when I was talking about sedges before, so picture in your mind, uh, both of you and all people listening, watching, whoever, um, uh, big shade tree. We got some background evergreens. We have a we have a ground cover of sedges. So very kind of darkish green kind of flavor. What if we put a lipstick blonde hosta as accents in that ground cover? It would just it would pop like fireworks on the fourth of July. It would be so contrasty. It has to the point of being gaudy, and so I'm so excited to uh, to try that. And lipstick red hosta um, is so expensive. I will I will do this one leaf at a time if I have to. Um, but that is my that is my goal. I saw that picture of that particular plant. I'm like, that's it. Um, so so yeah, lipstick blonde and. And if you're wondering, you can look at that image online. What you see is a, a bright red stems, like a vibrant yellow leaf. That is springtime. It kind of dulls throughout the growing season. That's what the, the nursery or the grower uh, had said. She said that it kind of dulls over the summer. So don't expect all season long to have these vibrant colors. I have seen pictures of that. I'll be curious I, to see what it, how it does in your landscape. Um, mm -hmm. I know the photos can be um, deceiving, you know, or, or modified. I, I'm curious. It's a pretty; those are pretty bright colors for a hosta. So it is it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing what breeding can do. Like what do these different breeding programs produce? 
Um, I think that's, yeah. It almost looks sickly. It does. Yep. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Make people ask questions. That, that's kind of what I want to do in my yard. I want to incorporate more native plants. I want to, um, I just want people to ask me about, uh, why are you doing this? And and I, I think that's maybe a good place for like Emily and Ken, myself, you know, we can do weird stuff in our yards and we can talk to people about why we do those things. Like we grow weird vegetables, we grow weird ornamentals. That can be a conversation that we have with people, um, whether you want to talk to them or not, Ken, it's, it's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> Ken just plants more plants to keep people away. <laughs> sunflowers all over, eight foot you know, sunflowers. Oh, folks, well, we did it again. We just talked so long about the plants, the ornamental plants we're talking about in our yard. Um, we couldn't get to the sunflowers, but we are going to go ahead and record that episode right now, but that won't be released until next week. So you're going to have to wait another week until you get to hear all about sunflowers. Um, and I know you were just, you, you're just, you're screaming at me right now. Like, when are you going to talk about sunflowers? It's coming. I promise that um, we had a lot of great information about the plants that we talked about this week. Um, if you want to check out our garden vegetables that we had mentioned the week before, we'll leave a link to that in the show notes below. And uh, Ken, Emily, thank you both so much for once again hanging out and talking about the new, the weird, the awesome things that we're growing in the yard and landscape this year. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, thanks for being on again, Emily. And thanks, Chris. I think I've got some more stuff to grow next year now. So I think get rid of some more lawn. Don't need it anymore, do we? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about sunflowers next week. Oh, you bet we'll talk about sunflowers next week. We're going to have Emily back, um, and we're going to finish out this conversation that we've been having for a good almost month now about plants that we are growing in our, our home gardens, our home landscapes. We're going to round it out with sunflowers. Um, so it'll be a fun uh, tail end of this series that you won't want to miss. So listeners, thank you for doing what you do best, and that is listening, or if you're watching this on YouTube, watching and as always, keep on growing.